Hey everyone, it's Maurice. Before we start the show, I want to thank you all for listening and for your support, especially our Patreon members. If you're not a member of our Patreon page yet, check it out at patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge today. For just $5 a month, you get an ad-free version of this episode. You get access to behind-the-scenes clips and videos, information on upcoming articles and reviews, and so much more. So if you support us, if you support our mission, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path. All right, let's get on with the show. This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. One thing that I love asking guests on the show is what advice they would give to an up-and-coming designer. When I talk with design manager Matthew Schoenholtz, I asked him what's the best advice he's been given about design. I think not holding things too precious um, and being willing to put something out there, especially like working in like product design, it's putting something out there and knowing that you might not know everything. And so being willing to listen and learn uh, along the way. There's a, a famous like Danish philosopher, his name Piet Hein, and he always said like to err and err and err, but less and less and less. And I love that notion of like put something out there and learn from, from it. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. This week, Buffer is looking for a senior marketing designer, as well as a mobile product designer. These are both remote positions. Design Action Collective is looking for a web developer slash front-end developer, as well as a production designer slash graphic designer in Oakland, California. AARP in Washington, D.C. is looking for an editorial director. And General Design Co. in Washington, D.C. is looking for a graphic designer. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts and when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. Again, that's revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I wanted to talk about our sponsors, Glitch, Google Design, and MailChimp. Glitch is the friendly community where you'll build the web app of your dreams. Whether it's beautiful digital art, handy tools to help you do your work, or a site for your project or cause, you'll find things on Glitch that remind us the web can still be a fun, creative place full of unexpected surprises. Get started at Glitch.com. Google Design is a cooperative effort led by designers, writers, and developers at Google. They work across teams to publish original content, produce great events, and foster creative and educational partnerships that advance both design and technology. For more information on news, design resources, and their design podcasts, check them out at design.google. MailChimp is the world's leading marketing platform for small businesses. Millions of people and businesses around the world trust MailChimp to publish the right content to the right person at the right place at the right time. Build your brand, sell more stuff, find your people, and tell the world your story. Sign up for a free account today and give it a try. MailChimp. Send better email. We've got another new review here from Apple Podcasts. This one comes from EatBig2010, and the title is The Support We Need. Here it is. New careers can be intimidating. Revision Path provides a home for dialogue of creators of color that is both informative and honest. Lively and animated discussion about the history, lifestyle, and the direction of the industry and our careers has me excited about becoming a creative. Thank you, Revision Path. Wow, Eat Big 2010, thank you so much for that really awesome review. I'm really glad to know that Revision Path is making such an impact, you know, even though we've been around for what, like over five years, but I'm really glad to hear it's making such an impact, especially for people looking to change their careers into the design industry. So thank you so much. 
Now for this week's interview. We're continuing HBCU month here on Revision Path, and this week's guest is designer and mixed media collage artist Kendrick Day. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hey, my name is Kendrick Day. I am an artist and a designer. I always like to tell people by day. I do art direction for a company called Equality Equation, and that can be anything that their clients need design. So it could be websites, sometimes it's flyers, a lot of times it's social posts. So that's what I'm doing during the day. And by night, I'm doing my personal work, and I'm a mixed media collage artist. Okay. Let's talk more about the work that you're doing at uh, Equality Equation. Again, for people who might not be familiar with it, can you tell us a little bit about what Equality Equation is and what you do there, like on a typical basis? So Equality Equation is pretty much a, I, I don't want to say full service, because we do offer a bunch of different different services, but pretty much it's all based on the idea of working with clients that are nonprofits. They have a mission. So pretty much so we work with pretty much, we work with Standing Rock, we work with Caitlyn Jenner Foundation. We just started working with 5050 by 2020 and their whole thing is about um, transforming Hollywood and making sure Hollywood reflects what America looks like, which is diverse, which is full of different people. So that's what their mission is. So pretty much during the day, I'm doing whatever the clients need. It can be anything from, again, like I'm doing a lot of it social posts. So I'm doing memes, I'm doing graphics, I'm doing websites sometimes, anything they pretty much need, you know, every day is really different. And how did you first hear about that position? So I found it on Craigslist. Um, okay. which is... Shout out to Craigslist. Yeah, yeah, people sleep on Craigslist. I, I, um... <laughs> It was just an interesting time. Like I had been in New York for maybe like, I want to say three years. I was doing, I was working with another agency at the time. The pay wasn't that great. And I was tired of freelancing because I was tired of chasing people for checks. Mm -hmm. So I really just wanted a full-time job, which is, which was very different for me as an artist. Cause I hadn't, I've been freelancing for a very long time. And like, <laughs> so it was, it was very it was jarring at first, but yeah, I applied on Craigslist. I did the interview over the phone on Friday, and then that Monday I was working. And I've been here, it's been two years now. Well, it'll be two years in October. But yeah, so I, 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 resources are out there. Like, I, I always tell people, like, yeah, don't sleep on any kind of, like, platform. Like, great things can come from even the most, like, seedy thing like Craigslist. <laughs> Like now it's <laughs> now it's a little like like when I go looking for stuff like art call like submissions for art it's a lot of spam now, but yeah I mean you got to just have to do diligence to like want to sift through all the BS to find that one good gig you know yeah so by day that's what you're working on you're doing that that work for Equality Equation and then that night you said that you are a mixed media collage artist can you talk about some of the type of work that you're doing now. Right now, I'm well, in the long run, like in the grand scheme of things, I'm working towards a show, right? But that's, I'm thinking sometime next year. In the meantime, what I'm doing now is like, I'm keeping my, like primarily where I post my work is Instagram. And I have this running like endless collage thing that I'm going into. And like, I'm just trying to push myself artistically and aesthetically on that but like when i say mixed media it literally can be sometimes i'm doing mashup videos like collage video collage form and then sometimes i'm a lot of times i'm just collaging in general i was doing i did a series back where i was actually drawing myself in the collages but yeah i've just been trying to push myself aesthetically because i know what i want to talk about in the art in like the next time i show work like an exhibition setting but i I'm trying to figure out what it's going to look like. And as I've gotten older, I like I feel less of a like a, a need to kind of rush, rush, rush stuff out. So I'm kind of letting this come to me. And then in the meantime, using Instagram as like a sketchbook or like a journal almost, which has been good to be able to get. It gets myself out there. It gets people to see my work. I'm able to get commissions off of that and stuff. It feels like less pressure to kind of like produce because that kind of I do that kind of like automatically without even having to try you know yeah i was gonna ask how you were using instagram i didn't even think about how you can sort of use instagram as like a 
like a public sketchbook. It's something that you're creating and you're putting it out there and you're getting immediate feedback. So you can determine if you should go continue going down a certain path or if you should maybe do something different. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly the most fun thing about it because I can put something out and like I could see what people respond to. Like I just I just did Well, I'm working on mashups of like a lot of my work is combining like high end and low end or what people think is highbrow and like what people think is lowbrow, mm-hmm. and which is, you know, that's just society, that's media, that's the way the game is made right but i like to play on that so like a lot of times i'll use like baroque paintings or like renaissance paintings which primarily people like associate that with like high end and then i'll put something that people think of as low end or disposable which is like pop culture or like pop stars so i just did one another set like I did one set which was just like general pop divas but I did another one that worked on and it was combining like those same paintings with rappers so I have like the Venus like the birth of Venus painting Mm -hmm. by Botticelli and then but instead of Venus it's Nicki Minaj (laughs) walking out (laughs) or like I have the the Last Supper and then but Lil Kim's like you know from the hardcore album like she's spread out on the table Oh, wow. So, yeah, and I'm really excited about him. But, like, what's interesting is, like, a lot of people responded to him. Like, oh, so that's definitely the next series that I need to put on some T-shirts or something, you know? Okay. Like, yeah. But, yeah, I can get that automatic feedback from people, which is really, like, I really, really enjoy that. So it seems like you draw some influence and inspiration from not just from the act of sort of mixing these two kind of anachronistic concepts together but it seems like a lot of it is coming from like pop culture like hip-hop and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah i am obsessed with pop culture i'm obsessed with the idea of pop culture and then also what what it means to people like what like how people can 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 kind of identify with certain things and certain pop stars like it informs their life it kind of teaches people how to love who to love i just think it's fascinating <laughs> like there's this quote i always laugh at but that's definitely me i think very deeply about shallow things <laughs> like, mm. but it's yeah i just think it's very interesting and how popular culture has changed over especially over the last couple of years it's very it's very like the landscape is so different it intrigues me i guess but i also think like for me it's also like because popular culture is like the, the in its name, it's mainstream in that sense. I think for me to communicate with people, it's very I can get my point across very easily with a pop culture reference than than anything because like people kind of know like all these pop culture fixtures have meaning attached to them already, you know. So if I put Britney Spears's face on Mona Lisa, you know what that means, like because you you have an idea of what you think Mona Lisa means, or like and then her as well. So. Like, it's an easy way to kind of, like, communicate with people and to get, like, a message across. Yeah, and I would imagine using those kind of readily known concepts, aside from, you know, just sort of like you said, people assign that meaning to them. It's kind of also like a bit of, of nostalgia in a way. Cause mm-hmm. It sounds like you're pulling from not just current references, but, you know, maybe even some older stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, nostalgia is like, I think, I mean, I'm... 31 now so even like the, the stuff that's popular like pop culture now like who are pop stars now i have to learn about these people because <laughs> <laughs> even i i'm like i don't know like you know like but like yeah definitely nostalgia like because when i think of it does like make you smile because when you think of like the music that you grew up with right and you see these kids now who and they're into whoever now like uh, ariana grande or or whoever like Mm-hmm. You can think of, oh, when the first time you saw Whitney Houston or the first time you saw Madonna or the first time you saw like Destiny's Child or someone, you know, like you can identify with that. Yeah. When you're doing this kind of work and you're, you know, kind of playing with these concepts, what is it that keeps you kind of motivated and inspired to continue the work? For me, it's I have to like like there were multiple times in my career where, you know, things weren't going the way I thought they should or like I used to have a really really big problem with being impatient (laughs) Mm -hmm. so and I called myself quitting you know but 
here I am still to this day, like still doing it. And it's like, it's something that I realized it's like creating is never like, I can never stop that. Like, that's not something that I can do. Like, cause I've, again, I've called myself quitting and then like a month or two months after, like I'm finding my way back into a project. Mm-hmm. Like or like I'm piecing together ideas for something and it's like yeah it's it's just something that I have to do like I feel like what brought you to that point of wanting to quit I'm, again like it's just being feeling like it's like I feel like early on you get some type of success early on right like to kind of propel you but in the middle between like that point and then like your really really big breaking point mm-hmm. like the middle is tough as fuck and the only thing that's going to keep pushing you is you but yeah I, I just it's just like you know just wanting to like, make it and for me making it meant a lot of different things at a lot of different points in my life but mm-hmm. primarily it was being able to support myself financially without having to work a job that is not necessarily even remotely close to what I'm doing like a retail job or something like that like that was used to be my main motivation. But yeah, it was just getting frustrated, <laughs> like, and being impatient and not being here for the process. Yeah. No, it's funny. That reminds me of, uh, do you watch Insecure? Mm-hmm. Love. love. <laughs> <laughs> so that reminds me of the episode that actually just aired recently about what was happening with Daniel and how he, I guess, is is kind of feeling stalled in his career right now mm-hmm. in terms of what he's doing with with production and he feels like he should be further along than where he is right now and so that's that's kind of a frustrating thing to keep to uh to have that feeling while still needing to kind of continue to to work in order to just you know get by yeah and then on the back end you're right you still have to produce so it's like like you still have to put something out there yeah yeah, but that yeah that episode came out. What was it yesterday? Yeah, and I was I. There were so many like parallels <laughs> in my life. <laughs> even how he was, even how he was like still because he was he was at a point where he was still stubborn about stuff. Like he didn't even want to ask for help. Yeah, and I mean to someone that not only knew him but also clearly held him in some level of like esteem or regard that would probably be willing to help. And he couldn't. Mm-hmm. And Daniel was he had to put his pride to the side. Well, Issa had to. You know, kind of she had to nudge him along, right? But he had to put it—he had to put it to the side, you know—to try to come to terms with that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was really good to see that as a creative. That's all. (laughs) When you look at you know, kind of where you are now versus where you started, what would you say has been the biggest compromise that you've had to make to get to where you are now? Hmm, That's really. Intense question. (laughs) I I don't know, because I don't, I, like, I fight for my art. So, like, I, for better or worse, that's been, like, a running, recurring theme in just in my life and my personal life in general. Can you go into that a little bit? Like, when you say you have to fight, what do you mean? Like, not physically fight, I hope. Yeah, no, no, I'm not physically, (laughs) but, like, but, I mean, because I've been always very, like, how can I explain it? I've always been very like opinionated. Mm-hmm. I've always been different. Like, and this is even aside from being gay. This is just like growing up creative and black. Like you're, you're, and if you're not, if you just want to sit in a room and you want to read books or like, or draw all day and you're not doing the sports, like I already was at odds with my family. So like I grew up knowing that, knowing that and having to like assert myself in certain situations. So I've always been kind of fiery in that sense. So like compromise was always something that like I never really (laughs) tried to do, especially when it was when it comes to my art. Like I had to learn, especially because there's the art and the design part. I've gotten better, a lot better, a lot better with collaboration. Because when you're designing for someone, like, I'm at service to them, right? So, like, I even if I know something is not necessarily going to look be- look that good, like, I know I have to do it for that client. Like, there were times before where I didn't, I was not really, like, here for that. Like, I knew what it should look like, so I was not trying to compromise in that sense. But I've gotten, I've gotten a lot better with that, like, working 
and since being in New York and working here has definitely helped because I've had to work with a bunch of different people that are very, very, also very, very opinionated mm-hmm. and learning how to like stick up for myself when it's necessary, but also knowing when certain things like not everything's a battle worth fighting. Like I, I basically have to know when like to stick up for myself or stick up for the design or stick up for the art and also knowing when that some battles are not worth fighting like certain things that it's beyond my control especially in the design setting that's why i love to have my personal work because there it's i have no kind of like limitations in that sense yeah so it sounds like and, and you know correct me if i'm wrong here but it sounds like maybe growing up knowing that you were creative and doing these things it didn't seem like maybe you had that that support from your family to continue down that route would that be is that an accurate assumption or no? Yeah. I mean, they, my mother did the best she could in uh-huh. terms of supporting not again, not only a creative child, but also a gay child. So it's like, and her firstborn. So it's like, you know, she, it, it was a lot of learning for both of us, I guess you could say, but she supported me in the sense that like, Her idea, you know, Black Mom's idea of a job is like when you say, hey, I want to be an artist, they're like, no, you need like a a normal nine to five kind of like situation. I was going to pay some money. Yeah, basically. So but she supported in the sense that like they started noticing that I could draw in elementary school. So she put me in middle school. I went to a magnet school and we just studied general art there. And then in high school, I went to a design school. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah, so they teach you all about design, and then you have to pick a major. It was almost like college. So then we had to pick a major, and I chose industrial design. If I could do it again, I probably would have chose fashion design because I could have actually used that. But I did industrial design because I wanted to make sneakers. At least I thought I did. I mean, I still kind of do, but like not like designing in that sense. Yeah, yeah. What school was this? I'm curious. What school was this? Design and architecture is an amazing school. So it's called Dash for short, but design and architecture, senior high. It's in the design district in Miami, which has grown tremendously. So, like, now there's literally Louis Vuitton flagship stores across the street. And, like, uh-huh. it's amazing. But when I went there, it was just, like, in the middle of the hood. <laughs> I've heard of Dash. I think we've had, God, I think we've had maybe two people on the show who also graduated from Dash. As soon as you said Miami, it it, it clicked. I think we've had one or two people from there. So, no, that, mm-hmm. that school has a, a good legacy then. Yeah, no, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, a lot of big people come out of there, like, and go design for Nike and, like, all that good stuff. Yeah. So this is HBCU month here on Revision Path. Of course, we just talked about high school. So I I do want to get into, definitely I want to get into where you went to school and what your time was like there. So can you tell the audience where you went to college? So I went to Morehouse College, and (laughs) it was an interesting time there, like, Again, like Morehouse can be very, very conservative. And at that time, like I had just came out. So I was very, I was expressing myself a lot visually and that can be frowned upon there. So I didn't really like to spend a lot of time there and my grades definitely reflected it. But also what I will never like, what I will always love the idea of me going to Morehouse. I met so many people that were like, you know how they say find your tribe. I met so many people that affirmed that part of me, that creative, maybe outlandish part of me, that flamboyant part of me. And then I was able to like, I started a magazine. I was able to throw a lot of events. I I got into like into the creative community in Atlanta, where I started to meet a lot of people, a lot of like-minded people. So I, I will always like love my time at Morehouse for that, for introducing mm-hmm. me to the creative scene in Atlanta. Now, you also were involved with some, I mean, arts things at Morehouse. Is that right? As much as that were there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm specifically talking about, like, your, your role at the Maroon Tiger, which is the school's newspaper. Mm-hmm, yeah. So that that was kind of the beginning of my creative journey. So, like, my godfather, his brother actually worked in the admissions office at Morehouse. So he would kind of check in on me. Okay. He could kind of see that it was like... Obviously, I'm already a little shy and, like, reserved, and he could just see that, like, 
yeah, he's not doing too well. So let me figure out what what he wants to do. So every week I would go in, in his office and he would ask me what's going on. Like basically just check in with me. So he eventually was like, why don't you just go apply for the Maroon Tiger? Go to one meeting. And it took a couple of weeks for me to actually go. But I actually went one time. And then because that was really the only artistic or artsy thing that was there. Yeah, um, was the art section in the Moon Tiger, and I wrote one article. It was on Lou Rawls. He had just passed away, so I wrote kind of like that piece, and then mm-hmm. they put that on the front page. And then the arts editor at the time was like, "Oh, you could just be my associate arts editor," and then that happened. And then when he went away from, like, he was doing, he was in this band at that time, and that became more of a priority for him. Mm-hmm. So he left maybe like a month after that. And then I basically became the arts editor. And then I'm the type of person that I you can give me something and I'm going to take it and run with it and make the best of the situation. So I really took ownership of the art section. One, because it was something that I was doing right. But then two, it was also because I can understand that there was a lack of focus on art there. Like, the sports section was the thing they cared about the most. I was like, gross. Like, we, like, <laughs> we, there's so much artistic stuff that black men create. Like, why are we not, like, highlighting this? Everybody I meet is so talented here. Like, why are we not talking about that? So, yeah, like, it, that was the extent of, like, what I w- was able to do in well, my I role mean, as the arts editor there. I have to tell you, from one alumni to another, I definitely take my hat off to you for doing that because yeah i mean morehouse as a as a college i mean like you said it's a very conservative place but their focus is very much largely on a certain construct mm-hmm. of what a black man can be and that generally does not include anything with art or yeah. design <laughs> it's business it's political science it's uh chemistry or biology, you know, mm-hmm. student government, that sort of thing. Not really that much with art and design. I mean, I was I was a math major at Morehouse and I was doing design stuff on the side and yeah, it was it was just tough to try to like I would say even back then when I went, I mean, this was from 99 to to 03 and I just don't remember there being really a whole lot of art stuff unless we went to Spelman mm-hmm. or went to Clark. Like at the school itself, I mean, like if you went into King Chapel, you know that part in King Chapel where they've got all the portraits and stuff. I feel like that was the most art that I saw, you know. <laughs> and then, like in terms of architecture, you could like look at Graves Hall, and that's about it because the rest of the dorms kind of look like the projects, you know. Like unless you're right yeah, there by basically. like Graves and Sale Hall and stuff, you're like, wow, this architecture is really nice. And then you turn the corner, and it's like, oh well, you know. <laughs> it mm-hmm. just, it's just it. It literally is downhill from there. No, I mean, I, I have to give it up to the younger alumni that really have tried to, like, pave the way in changing and diversifying the culture of Morehouse in that way. So definitely, thanks to you, man. I appreciate that. I am interested to see what it's like now because I, um, again, like, you, like you're saying, like, it's each generation doing one little thing, one little thing, one little thing. Mm-hmm. But I would hope it's gotten a lot better in that sense because I feel like, the only way to even like embrace everything that's happening outside in in the real world outside of Morehouse, you know, is embracing those things. Like, there's the world is changing. <laughs> yeah, and it's like if Morehouse is going to be a part of that, it should reflect what the rest of the world is looking like. Yeah, and it, at the very least, they could just put a a museum or something or a gallery on the on campus or something or something yeah i mean <laughs> it is it, i mean we're talking as 2018 it's kind of a shame that the largest all male black college like this really doesn't embrace art and design in any kind of way like they still have that one art class mm-hmm. art and society like they still have that class and we talked about this before recording how you had one professor del sarto you said his name was mm-hmm. yeah and then I, I, I can't had, remember his first name but I, I think his last name is del sart i have to look it up yeah and then i had anderson uh mr anderson who i think is i'm pretty sure he's retired because he was ancient when i was there but like there's one class art 110 art and society and then everything else you have to take at spellman like i'm wondering or what clark. 
or Clark. And I'm wondering what, uh, I'm not even sure if the school is cognizant of what kind of message that sends that, you know, oh, you want to come here and you want to study art? Well, you need to go to another school. And then also they don't make it easy because I remember at one time I was trying to do the art minor thing, right? Uh-huh. They don't make it easy on really? you. No, it's it's a process. <laughs> it's such a process. Talk about that. Like, I, I didn't know there wasn't. I thought when I – and maybe this has changed since I was there. I know when I first started going there, there were all the AUC schools and then I think Georgia Tech and maybe one or two other schools were part of this, like, huge – consortium called arch a-r-c-h-e i forget what the acronym so they still had that oh they still have that okay all Mm -hmm. right you can like take classes at other other schools Mm -hmm. and they would all count towards your major yeah but it was like it was just a process in a sense like and then first off too like everything's done on paper so it's like Mm. you know (laughs) you know morehouse is notorious for losing paperwork Mm -hmm. like you gotta keep multiple copies of everything Mm -hmm. but it just used to be a lot and then you have to go, and then basically when you do go, you have to go, well, I don't know how it is now, but I would have to go to whoever was over you and at Morehouse, you had to get them to sign it. And then you have to get, it was like a couple people you had to get signed at Morehouse. And you have to also go over to Spellman or Clark mm. and find that teacher and have them sign it as well. It was just a lot <laughs> on top of like when they're losing stuff. Because I remember I was trying to do the art minor. Like, I took, I took like, I think two classes at Spellman. One was, like, a drawing class. I don't remember what the other one was. And then I took other ones at Clark. Like, it were computer classes. Mm-hmm. I took, like, a design class. It was just, like, a standard, like, graphic design class. Yeah, I'm looking it up now. ARCH stands for Atlanta Regional Council for Higher Education. And so, basically, because Atlanta has a, a concentration of so many big colleges that share kind of a collective scope. They allow you to take classes at other schools. I'm looking at it now. It has expanded to include Savannah College of Art and Design, Georgia State University, (laughs) Agnes Scott, Emory, and the University of Georgia. Wow. I wish. I I didn't know it was that big now. That's, wow. I had friends who went to, to SCAD, and I always would be like, oh, my. And just in general, even when I saw what their dorms looked like, I used to be so mad. I was like, my mom was <laughs> forcing me to go here. <laughs> oh, man. I know what you mean. I When my mom first came and saw, because when I, when I first got to Morehouse, I was in Graves Hall, which already wasn't wasn't great, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. But then, eh, my, I don't want to go into the all about what my freshman year was, but I ended up and kicked out the dorm. And then <laughs> I was in um, LLC. I think they call it oh, Thurman Hall. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah, that Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a big departure from what I was used to. So Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is what being an adult is. This is basically like... <laughs> it's like prison. <laughs> it was like prison. I, didn't want I, to I mean, I don't, was... I don't know if they have remodeled the dorms. I would imagine they're not. But I just remember the first time I got on Morehouse's campus and looked at like the quad, like Hubert White... LLC and the boys. And, I was in the boys. I was like, this is like good times. I'm like, this is, are we in the projects? Like, what, what, what are all these thousands of dollars of tuition going towards? Because the damn show like the dorms. Yeah, or the food. That's or, what we always used to joke about. It's like, what is going on? Well, now I hear the food is better. Like, I heard that, I guess, whatever the company was that was doing the, the cafeteria, Mm-hmm. Now it's like I want to say Sodexo. I forget. It's one of those big like. It was Sodexo back then. It was Sodexo. I, was I want to mm-hmm. say it's probably them or something else. But like now, from what I've heard, like you can go and get like Starbucks and like Chick Fil A. I'm like, really? Oh, uh, when I was leaving, because they had just finished that. It was something in the front, like it was a parking deck. And oh yeah, the, the parking deck right there between Morehouse and Spelman. Yeah. Yeah. So they had started like they put a coffee shop there. I remember that was the only thing that was there. But that was like the last year I was there. Like I remember because they used to let them do spoken word night, which mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is cute. Like, but yeah, I'm I'm sure they have like I want to see what it's like because I haven't been there since. I would like to see what the life is like there. Yeah, I have a friend that teaches there and I know he tells me is like, you know, they have a Starbucks and they've got Chick-fil-A and everything. But then also he's like, in my department, I can't get a chair. So like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like there's clearly a disparity of where resources are going as to what is is i guess 
deemed important. I feel like if I went now as a as an alumni, I would be mad because mm-hmm. you know I don't know about you, but like they keep trying to shake you down for money every year, and it's like, look, I would give money to the school if I felt like it was going to the right. It place. was going to somewhere right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like you're like you're trying to guilt me into giving money every year for Candle of the Dark is not working. Not yeah, working. no, and and I would only want my money to go to something that would be in something about the arts. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, like, I wouldn't just want them to, again, like you're saying, candle in the dark or, like, homecoming or pay for to book somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that. Did they have the Dark Tower project still when you were there? Um, With Chuck? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, well, okay, so, because I, again, a part of my, like, creative journey so Mm -hmm. his name was danny my goddad's brother he introduced me to chuck so that's when i started like hanging around wonderland and all those people and just seeing yeah yeah like and it's so crazy to see her now at the met gala and i remember when she would do janelle when she would do shows and nobody would show up Mm. like it would be just us and then she would still have that same energy like she would sweat her hair out like and it's so crazy to see her grow but like yeah i remember because he wanted me to help him with he was working on like a their ideas were always so far out and like ahead of their time like that's it's just so crazy to see them where they are now but they were working on like they were trying to work on this festival like an afrofuturistic festival but Mm -hmm. again it's funding again it's a everything's ahead of his time yeah Um, yeah but i remember working with them a little bit but like when i started being around them was right when they like right when she had got signed to she was about to get signed to bad boy yeah to bad boy so mm-hmm. they were basically out of there yeah because chuck used to actually work in the missions office really yeah wow and i remember when he quit <laughs> and he was like he was telling me he was like yeah i think I think he's going to sign her. I think he's going to sign her. And I was like, this is so crazy to me. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's why I didn't know that he used to work there too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Look at that. Yeah. Some of the people that are in her, um, in like the Wonderland entourage went to, like we went to school together, like George 2.0, who I think he's probably mm-hmm. still with her. Like one of her hype, hype people. We came in the same year. And uh, so like, yeah, it is crazy to see how now she is this known entity. I think still probably not as big as I, I feel like she should be, but I, I think she's definitely, in terms of the amount of the amount of creative expression she's been able to do, it's mm-hmm. it's amazing and still be true to her own vision. You know? Yeah, that's the beauty. It gets. I feel like like she's someone that like, and maybe it's because I'm biased because I've seen a good part of the journey, like the yeah. in-between process i think it's just encouraging for a creative that like you can whatever you want to do you can stay you just gotta stay true to it but like mm-hmm. someone's gonna be able to pay you for doing everything you do so you're at morehouse you're taking classes at spellman and at clark and stuff and it, it sounds like you know basically morehouse was not really providing that kind of institutional support for what you were trying to do so you were getting out there in the atlanta community and sort of fostering these relationships with people. When you look back at that time, like what stands out the most to you? I mean, all of it. <laughs> I mean, so I started an art magazine. It started out online at first, and it was called Art Nouveau Magazine. Okay. And I started with my boyfriend at the time. We started together, and it was a group of my friends. Um, we were just all creative. We all did different things. My friend Kareen... Green Stevie, she actually, um, she went to SCAD. She was one of the friends I said went to SCAD, but she was a painter. Other friends did styling. Like, everybody kind of did something. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, like, had our own little collective in that sense. I remember the first, so the first year anniversary, we threw this really, really big party. And this was before social media, which is just a, it always blows my mind. But literally everybody that was anybody in, like, the creative community was there at that mm-hmm. party and i just remember it felt like I, it felt like what like andy warhol and like and grace jones and madonna and like basquiat and keith Haring <laughs> when they would be in those parties like that's what that felt like like when i go back and look at the pictures i'm like this is absolutely insane but yeah it was just that like and just doing stuff like i had already started to be like kind of known on campus for for being on the maroon tiger mm-hmm. but i remember when 
after that, like when I started the magazine, that was when people kind of knew me as like, oh, or like knew me as like, oh, the Art Nouveau kid. It was just an interesting time. And again, this is pre-social media. Like all we had was Facebook, but it wasn't like Facebook now. Like you had to have like a school email to get Facebook. Yeah. So it was like kind of being like a little local celebrity <laughs> in, the, in a little bit. It was just a really good time. And also it was a great time to like hone my creative skills, like to be able to start. Because again, like I was still in school, so I didn't necessarily need to have a job mm-hmm. in that sense. So yeah, it was just, it was a learning, a lot of learning too. But yeah, it was just, it was fun. Like it was just fun. I think the what sticks out the most was that it was just fun. Yeah. When you first start something and it's before it becomes work, it's fun. And it's just like, yeah, it's just, there's no strings attached. There's no like expectations. It's just, you're just really just having fun. Like I just remember that, like how it was just fun. Yeah. Like you have that space to experiment and even fail sometimes. Not saying that you were Mm -hmm. failing in what you were doing, but no, I did a lot of that. Oh, <laughs> but I feel like it's a it's a luxury that's rarely afforded to black creatives to have yes. that that kind of space. It's like you have to almost come out of the gate winning, 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 winning. And then when it's not happening that way, you're like, oh, my God, you know, it's it's rare to have that or to to make mis- I wouldn't say. Well, yeah, I guess you say make mistakes no, or to yeah. stumble and to still be able to kind of pick yourself up and keep the momentum going. It's It's a mm-hmm. rare thing to kind of have. To have that space. Yeah, no, it that's that's true. And even even what you're saying, like black creatives, we're not offered that. And a lot of it's finances, you know, it's just we're not offered that kind of like leeway to like run around and just like, oh, figure it out. Like we're, we're yeah, ready no, <laughs> no figuring it out. No. Yeah, no, it's like mean, you yeah. got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to have already have it figured out. When you look back now at Morehouse, would you ever bring your work there in some capacity, like a show or anything like that? I would love to do that if they would (laughs) want to. The thing is, like, it's it's interesting because it's like, I think Kahende go there. Uh, Kahende Wally. I don't know if he went to Morehouse. I have to look that up. I don't know. I think he did. But yeah, I just, I mean, like, I I would love to. Like, I, again, like, I would, I would love to do something with, Morehouse in the sense of like bringing or even just like highlighting people that create like because there are a lot of us out there you know that have come from Morehouse and you would never know even the guy from Insecure Daniel he went uh-huh. to Morehouse really mm-hmm suppose well I find out I found out when we were watching the episode I was watching with my friend and he was like yeah he actually he was in my class like I didn't mm-hmm. even know this I'm looking it up right now, and it says he began attending Morehouse College and then transferred to New York University. Oh, who? Wow. Kehinde? No, um, the guy, Daniel, from Oh, uh, Daniel. Oh, okay, yeah. No, uh, Kehinde was from San Francisco. He went to an art school in San Francisco. Oh, okay. I don't know where I might have read that, or I thought I read that. I would love to do something with Morehouse. I think we, again, black men have such a... Uh, Black people in general, but we're we're talking in context of Morehouse. Black mm-hmm. men have such a rich history of being creative. Like it's a no-brainer to highlight it in my mind. Now, what do you think Morehouse can do in terms of like if you could wave a magic wand at Morehouse and they had an arts program? What would that look like to you? I think it depends. It can go two ways, and it depends on what they're trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. So if Again, like how I told you, like middle school, I that was fine arts. So there's fine art and then there's design. Okay. And design can be broken up into a bunch of different things. Design can be a little more daunting because design can be broken up into a bunch of different things. Like if they just did fine art, I feel like, and you learn the fundamentals of fine art, like you have your drawing classes, your painting classes, all of that stuff. And then even giving financial literacy kind of classes to artists like teaching them how to make their own website mm-hmm. how to sign up for an llc how to do all of that type of stuff i feel like to me that's what it should be but i would love to in my grand scheme it would have two components it would be you can either do the fine art track or you can do the design which and design can be like 
graphic design, I would love to see them do like a have a fashion design. <laughs> like they need to as much fashion as I've seen come through Morehouse. They need to. That's I mean, they the have thing a fa- I'm saying. They, they have a fashion show every year during yeah. homecoming. Yeah, that's my thing. I'm like, why not? Like, all the talent is here. Like, stop letting it be outsourced everywhere. Like, stop having those creative people go to FIT or wherever. Have them come to Morehouse. Yeah. Like, offer that for them. I hope they're listening. (laughs) I hope so, too. (laughs) But, no, you're right. Like, that, that talent is always there. And then if there's not that outlet at the school that supports it, even with curriculum, but, like, it's... I don't know. I just feel like it's such a missed opportunity for Morehouse. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, I mean, personally, this is just me. This is not the opinion of Revision Path. Personally, I think Morehouse has taken a lot of hits to its image. Certainly within the past 15 years, they've taken a number of hits to their, I mean, it's still a good storied image. When people think of Morehouse, they think of Martin Luther King Jr. They think of Benjamin Mays. They think of the legacy of, of people that graduate, but that's the thing. They think of Morehouse in a legacy standpoint. They don't think of it in a future standpoint as to what Morehouse is putting Mm -hmm. out there. And I feel like they're so wrapped up in this old school legacy view of Morehouse that they can't evolve into what men are becoming in the 21st century, which is anything, Anything, you know, it's not, you know, the politicians and the, the, you know, scientists and whatever that, and the businessmen from back in the day, yes, those are still around, but like Morehouse men touch every corner of the globe doing every kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So why not try to at least reflect that a little bit more in the curriculum and stuff? I mean, I've just, I've just seen so many changes because I'm here in Atlanta. I actually live right down the street from Morehouse. I live right across Mm -hmm. from the, uh, from the West end train station. So I'm very familiar with like seeing how Morehouse has changed over the years with respect to like, how they've handled dress codes and all these different kind of stuff that they've tried to do to sort of change. So that the was culture. starting with when I came there. That was starting. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. We used to have a guy. This was let's see. This was like ninety nine, two thousand. And I guess they were trying to do some things. They had like this freshman dress code where they wanted freshmen to like wear a suit once a week or stuff like that. But I don't think they were as strict about like presentation. I want to say mm-hmm. gender presence. I feel like that's the best way I can describe it. Cause there was this guy, he was a business major and he would wear like a three piece suit and stilettos. Mm-hmm. Like I mean. because they didn't say that you couldn't wear a certain kind of shoe. They just said you had to wear a suit. So he'd wear the suit and would wear like stilettos and he'd be the only, you know, you can't miss them, you know, but now I feel like they're so caught up with trying to revamp that image that has taken so many hits for so many different scandals and mm-hmm. and unfortunate bad news that has come out of the school that they're like in it feels like they're continually in repair mode mm-hmm. like they're in like crisis management mode or something and it's i don't know i feel like that's but it's not even managing though because if for all they would have to do is just admit they're wrong and move on right like <laughs> Even the argument of, because I remember that happened, like the suit thing happened, mm-hmm. where they were like, you have to wear a tie, you have to, like, that turned me off to the school in general, because it's like, again, I don't, I live a creative life, and mm-hmm. like, I, and my dress has like, like the way I present myself has gotten a little more conservative, but that's conservative for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still tattoos and like, <laughs> still showing skin like it's but it's conservative for i guess for for where i come from right but right. again that doesn't that does not make me a better person you know or, or a bad person like there are people who commit crimes all day long in suits yeah <laughs> one of them sitting in the white house no but no that's <laughs> exactly so i'm like what does that mean like what like what message are you like why are you focusing on that yeah there's so much that needs to be like i guess worked on like so it's like focusing on dress codes a little silly to me and it always was just silly i was like it, it definitely for again for someone that's a free-spirited person it definitely was a like a, a big turnoff like where it's like this is what you're focusing on and then yeah. out of everything no that's true that's very true and it's it's something again where like i feel like they're trying to recapture that that legacy that they may feel that they have have lost Mm -hmm. in some sort of way because of all these issues over the years. But I can't see how that serves 
the modern Morehouse man or the future Morehouse man. Mm -hmm. Like, especially like if we're, I mean, we're keeping it in the realm of art and design. Like I, I told you before we started recording, whenever companies or, or stuff talk to me about which HBCUs they need to target in terms of looking at students for jobs as designers or such, I never tell them Morehouse because they don't have it together. Mm-hmm. I usually will tell them Spelman or Howard or Jackson State or FAM or somewhere. Like, I can't in good conscience be like, yeah, you should really look at Morehouse because I'm like, Morehouse has one art class. I can't mm-hmm. I can't tell y'all and, to look at Morehouse. And it's a bad art class. And it's a bad art class. It really is. It's not <laughs> It's not great. People usually, the dudes that usually only take that course do it because uh, uh, girls from Spelman are there. And it's an easy A. Yeah. It's a, it's a real easy A. Like, yeah. it's, it's one of those classes where it's like you can tell they kind of just like passing a requirement pretty yeah. much and, it, and i mean like i think it just does such a, a disservice especially when you look at the the other type of graduates that morehouse puts out you can tell where their focus lies and it's certainly not in any sort of the creative arts i mean i would even wager that extends to the performing arts as well like if you're mm-hmm. in the glee club or if you're in the band like i i don't really see morehouse putting a whole lot into that yeah no i mean you could tell by who gets newer buildings what they care about and mm. it's definitely the business school. Yep, absolutely, one hundred. Well, they have that partnership with Goldman Sachs, so that's probably part mm-hmm. of it too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, money talks, but like, oh, hey, that's true. But like, how but, are we gonna have a Ray Charles Performance Center, and yet, <laughs> and y'all don't care about it? <laughs> right, right. I don't know. It's a weird place. But moving on from Morehouse, let's bring it back to the present here. Let's not let's not dwell too much in the past. But when you look back over your career. What advice has really stuck with you over the years? Well, one thing I think, I think it's a recurring theme in my life. And it's something that I get better with (laughs) as I go on. And more recently, I've gotten really good at it. Is this whole thing. And I used to hate when people used to tell me, it's like perspective, perspective. Like I'm thinking of like, (laughs) like of someone in my head literally telling me that, but it's true. Like, Things have started to shift for me, like the older I get. So right around when I turned 30, things started to get a little better. Like I started to just think of things better. Like so if something happens to me, instead of just like lamenting or like starting to go down that rabbit hole of like anger turned to rage, mm-hmm. I just try to frame it in a better way and look at it as an opportunity. So I definitely feel like that. And that's for personal, but also work too. Like it's again, everything is like, if I get rejected for a show, it's not me getting rejected. It's, and it may just be a no for now, you know, but like you can frame it in a million different ways other than I suck. I'm never going to make it like that perspective thing, I think has been the main thing. I'm trying to think of anything else that's just also been on my mind heavy. So I'm thinking (laughs) that's, that's why I'm thinking of that. And I also, I would say, too, just in in terms of the work, never stop working. Even if, like, I'm not showing people that I'm working, I'm always trying to, like, figure out a better, more efficient way to do something, like, to do what I do. I put out a lot of work over the course of what I would consider my professional career, which is when I started, or at least this specific style of work that I'm doing now, I started in, like, 2011. Mm-hmm. 2010 2011 like the end of 2010 and then i had my first solo show in 2011 and i feel like just keeping like i want to always keep pushing because i always want to get better like i like when i look back at my old work and i'm like that was good but like like i like to sh- surprise myself but oh my gosh like i'm really getting better i'm figuring out a better way to do this i'm learning how to use color a lot better mm-hmm. um so yeah, I, I don't know. On the work tip, it's definitely like keep working has been like a recurring theme as well. I have a question here. Actually, this comes from one of our our patrons. She's also one of our writers, Sella Lewis. Mm-hmm. She says that you know design professionals are often afraid to be esoteric, and I think you know when she's saying that, she means maybe people that are working in maybe a, a corporate setting or an in-house setting of some sort. They tend to be worried that they may not get certain high profile or lucrative or respectable kind of work if they put themselves out there in the way that you have, for example. What are some practical things that you do to ensure that you can be your best expressive self while also making sure that the bills get paid? There's a lot to unpack there. Because like, okay. I feel like when when I first, and maybe this is just my like 
my perspective, right? When I first heard that question, I was thinking she was even thinking of like visually how you present yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And that is that what, no, I that think what she, she was trying to say? Well, I think what she's saying is like, how can you be, and, and maybe this is the physical thing, like how can you be your authentic self the way, with the way you present yourself and get work and like still get the bills paid? Like, do you find that there's a an issue with that or anything? Is it hard? I think when it was hard, right, it was because I was uncomfortable being my true self. Okay. I feel like now that I'm starting to embrace everything that I am, like, because again, like, I if I go into a meeting with someone, like, I'm not going into a meeting with a suit and tie. I'm mm-hmm. not doing that. Like, I'm with a tank top, a choker on, like, <laughs> again, you. tattoos. You, yeah. I'm being, I'm being myself. Yeah. And I've always been like that. But I think it's a, you just have to like believe in yourself in that sense. Because for me, I also don't want a client that wants me to look a certain way in that sense. Like, because mm-hmm. my work speaks for myself. Like, I don't have to, like, even if I'm designing something super corporate, like, I can still design that because I know design. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, how I look doesn't really have anything to do with that. Luckily, I've been able to, especially since being in New York. And then also starting to work with the quality equation, like I can pretty much show up here I want <laughs> because they know that the work is going to get done mm-hmm. and it's going to be impeccable. And like they don't have to worry about that. Yeah, but I think it's just like finding the right space for you. Yeah. Because everything ain't for everybody. Like, no, that's true. <laughs> that is very true. I mean, sometimes I think as, as, you know, whether as entrepreneurs or even as mm-hmm. just uh, as just working People. at a company, you know, yes, yeah. it's, it's a tough road. Yeah, but it, it, it definitely is like it's something where you got to keep pushing through. Because, mm-hmm. again, like this is my life has changed in the past, maybe like two years. And then that all happened very randomly. Right. But it's also I've been working up until then and getting in situations that weren't the best weren't ideal but again like i think and it's also i prioritize being free right like i cannot function especially the older i get and the more stubborn i get i cannot function in any space that's going to make me be something that i'm not yeah like no amount of money is worth that do you have a dream project that you'd love to work on so yes well i mean aside from like stuff i want to do right because i want to like I've always flirted with the idea of doing, like, a clothing line. I print stuff for myself to wear, but, like, I want to do a full line that's available for people to get. And then I also have, like, I have, like, my next two shows planned out, like, the ideas and the titles and stuff like that. Still working on, like, the visuals and all. And and it's also, I want to work bigger. But my, like, main thing, and it's, it's, like, something that I've always, 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 like, wanted to do. And I've done it for people. Like, I love to do album art. But, like, I want to want to do album art and art direction for an album that wins a Grammy for art direction. Mm. So that's something that I always, like, I'm just waiting on the right person to hit me up, <laughs> whoever that is. Because I'm obsessed with music, obviously. So I feel like that's a way for me to win a Grammy without being able to sing. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny you mentioned that we've had on the show actually fairly recently, we've had a Grammy award winning designer for art direction, Ooh. Julian Alexander. Okay. Go back and listen. He's episode 250. He's actually in Brooklyn. He's in New York. He has a studio called Slang Inc. Like S L A N G Slang. I think he like tries to do like speaking and stuff like across the city. I mean, look, mm-hmm. look him up, check out the episode. I mean, if, if you want to, kind of get into that realm because he's done a ton of artwork he did the artwork for 50 cents get rich or die trying he's got like a like a See, discography. I love that stuff yeah he's got like that, a discography of work that's worth checking out yeah I, I probably i definitely need to check him out and like try to like see if i can bother him and go pick his brain or something <laughs> <laughs> well hey i mean you're connected via revision pass so definitely you know reach out to him especially once yeah, yeah. Once, once this yeah. episode airs you know yeah no that you're right that'll be like the <laughs> That'll be like the cell. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in the next five years? What do you want to, what kind of work do you want to do? The next five years. So I'll be what, 36. Uh, 
I see myself, while I love where I work, right? I don't see myself working for someone the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So I would have been solely be supporting myself through my personal work. By then, fingers crossed, I see myself traveling a lot more and doing a lot of shows. I see myself doing what I'm doing on a grander scale, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. No, that makes um, sense. Because I love what I do. I love making art. I love making, I love the feeling I get when I see how happy my work makes people. Mm-hmm. Even the design stuff. And I'm like, you like that? I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, what I do makes people happy. And I never, I, I never take that for granted, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I see myself continuing to do what I'm doing on a grander scale. Like, so bigger shows, bigger work, bigger projects. Hopefully Lady Gaga or Beyonce or somebody's calling me to do art direction for that album. <laughs> like, yeah. I, but I, uh, in general, I see myself doing what I'm doing bigger. Okay. Well, Kendrick, just to kind of wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work and everything online? So I have my website, which has my online store and everything on there. And it's KendrickDay.com. And it's Day, D-A-Y-E. I don't know why it has an E at the end. <laughs> it's just, it was my on, dad's On name. the E. On the E. That's, yeah. your, that's your unique trademark there. Yeah, yeah. And then also that, my Instagram handle is also KendrickDay. So very simple. All right. Sounds good. Well, Kendrick Day, I want to thank you again so much for uh, for coming on the show. I really like, you know, how you explained, you know, just kind of how it was at Morehouse. And even from there, how you grew out of that as being an artist. And I think it's, you know, the reason we do this HBCU month, like I, I said before, is to show people that, one, that HBCUs are a place where they can find designers. But also, it's so that people don't discount HBCUs as not having design talent. I mean, mm-hmm. as as we've both talked about at length on this episode, Morehouse wasn't it when it came to that. However, you know, the you talent came is out, always there, though. Right. The talent is always there. You came out of there. I came out of there. And so just because you may look at a school and not see this explicit, you know, design program or thing that you want, you know, that doesn't mean that the talent is not there. And certainly, I mean, y'all definitely take a look at his work. It is. It's like Andy Warhol, Basquiat. Like, there's like a there's like a Sanrio <laughs> Hello Kitty kind of element to it. Like, it's really it's really really dope work. So I'm really glad I was able to have you on the show to talk about it, man. I appreciate it. No, thank you, thank you. And those were the hugest compliments ever. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts of love are in and that's it for this week. Big thanks to Kendrick Day, and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Kendrick and his work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Also, thanks as always to our sponsors, Facebook Design, Glitch, Google Design, and MailChimp. With a community of over 2 billion people, the design team at Facebook works on a diverse range of problems. Everything Facebook designs is done at scale, so research, content strategy, data, and other factors are a huge part of how they work. Sound interesting? Then learn more about Facebook design and what they do at facebook.com forward slash design. Glitch is the friendly community where you'll build the web app of your dreams. Now, if you've seen Glitch, you might think that it looks like a toy, but trust me, it's not. It runs on the exact same infrastructure and engine that the best developers in the world use to run their apps. And it's all built around a friendly community of coders, designers, developers, activists, artists, educators, basically people just like you. So get started on making something awesome today at Glitch.com. Google Design is a cooperative effort led by designers, writers, and developers at Google. They work across teams to publish original content, produce great events, and foster creative and educational partnerships that advance both design and technology. For more information on news, design resources, and their design podcasts, check them out at design.google. MailChimp is the world's largest marketing automation platform. They support millions of customers from small e-commerce shops to big online retailers, and they support the creative community as well. MailChimp really gives you the marketing tools to be yourself on a bigger stage. Visit MailChimp.com and sign up for a free account today. MailChimp. Send better email.
Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you liked this episode, then please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute or two. It helps more people learn about the show here in the U.S. and internationally. Um, it helps the show by bumping us up in the rankings for Design Podcast. And just like with the review from Eat Big 2010, I'll read your review right here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.